Yes, you are in. Well, you're in for a treat. Last one was a stocking stuffer. This one is the greatest gift you can ever receive. Buried treasure recovered. This is from a couple years ago, but it's priceless. And many people, by the way, you deeper ones, you don't realize, some of you, many of you don't realize those ancient Jewish manuscripts and how they point to the, that's the best gift you can ever receive. So without further ado, here you go. Merry Christmas. Yes, you are in. The deeper is back and Casey brings it. Connecting the dots between Daniel and the greatest gift you could ever choose to receive. Also a really interesting end note on this one. Instead of a song, we went with a, a story. And that story, by the way, comes from Focus on the Family Christmas Stories, Season 1, Episode 4, starting at about minute 12. So if you want to check that out, the rest of it, if you're intrigued. Otherwise, yep, get ready. Some more deeper, some more hope, and some more truth for you. So here you go. The deeper, Casey. Deeper. One one last sesh here for uh, before, before Christmas. We just thought, well... One, it just seemed prudent that uh, we tie in Daniel, that how it remind people how that definitely points there. But before I get there, on the lighter end of it, uh, your little boy had an update. He, he he prayed for snow again. We were looking at a brown Christmas. We really were, weren't we? Up to what the twenty second? Yeah, twenty third. What what happened, Casey? Well, so last night, my my son, he's been asking for snow since uh like august and so <laughs> last night he saw that it was still pretty brown out He's and, like, What's up? And, so, and so we so i'm like well let's just pray about it and so we prayed or he prayed actually and he just simple prayer just god please bring snow and so now we're probably at about an inch outside and he prayed that last night and then um i put him to bed maybe 15 minutes ago and right before a nap, he, I just heard him whisper, thank you God for the snow. So it's just <laughs> this beautiful thing at the age of four. He's already, he's already understanding, ask, ask your father and then thank him for it when he responds. That's right. It's just beautiful. That's right. As, as we both painfully know, Casey, God's not an ATM machine, but actually that's for our own good. So yeah. we don't always get for what we want, but when we do, it's certainly important. Hey, I, it's amazing that a four-year-old, you didn't have to prompt him. Yeah, you didn't have to remind him that he could just do that on his own. Uh, that uh, Any parent out there listening, I don't care how old your kid is, that just warms the heart big time. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Well, Casey, we're going to keep this one short oh, and yeah. sweet. He, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, he he's just this week – has just reached a whole new spiritual high for me. Just being able to see those seeds actually starting to grow. And I know that he's only four, but that's kind of part of it is like, holy, he's only four. And he's, he's getting stuff that I didn't get until I was 13, 14 years old. So it's, I'm excited for him. That's a gift, man. Absolutely. Sorry. I was going to say before I stepped on that, Casey, you and I, I call it bus seat mode. 
And if the listener doesn't know, you and I, well, one of the first times we ever got together was on a bus up to a youth retreat. And we talked three hours straight. We could just go. So for the listener's sake, I, I don't want to do that to you fully. But uh, we have some cool stuff. One, connect some dots between Daniel and, and Christmas, right? And and uh, uh, the rock and Jesus, what that means. I'm going to save that for you. And then... Uh, we'll get into it, but I'm just going to preface it right now. Stick with us because you, we'll only be about 10, 15 minutes of this, but you got a cool listen that you got teed up as well about um, um, it's just a, a, a good Christmas reflection, right? Of someone that's maybe not totally into it, especially in this darker time for many. Yeah, yeah it, it's beautiful. It's one of my favorite listens, but maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. That's power right there. Yeah, let's go to Daniel first, then we'll tee that up. Yeah. Okay. So it's been a while, you guys. Like I've I've really missed doing this with you, Tom. I I have. It's it's been. I think it was the November fourteenth was the last time that we got together, and it was. Uh, I've really missed it. Um, yeah, but me too. Let, let me let me go back because this is going to kind of be its own thing. But I do want to tie in Daniel here. Mm-hmm. Um. So I want to go back to Egypt. So when. The Israelites were captive in Egypt. God comes and saves them out of there. We know about the ten plagues. And so as he saves them out of there, he starts leading them through the wilderness using um, a pillar of smoke in the day and then a pillar of fire at night. And that's how he kind of led them. And then he calls them to build this tabernacle. So it's this portable holy shrine, as it were, um, where it was believed or where God said, this is where I'm going to dwell when I want to meet with you. And so you guys are my people and I'm going to come and meet with you. And so they build this tabernacle and they start carrying it around with them everywhere they go. And so this continues on um, when they get to the promised land, they finish this by um, putting the tabernacle inside of this temple and they build this this permanent temple. Um, and this is how God comes to meet with his people is they would go and provide sacrifices at the temple. And then the Holy priest would go and meet with God. And, and, uh, that's the significance of the temple. And so when we look at Daniel, um, if you've listened to deeper at all, you know, that Daniel, um, the whole book is about how this evil King from Babylon comes and takes, uh, destroys the temple, and then he takes these people, the Jewish people, and he brings them back to Babylon. And so this is kind of why they are so grieved that the temple was destroyed. It's not just this prideful thing of this beautiful thing that they built. It was, how are we going to meet with God now? Hmm. This temple is is everything to them. It's And so... They're grieving this, but then you might recall in Daniel 2, um, the king, this evil king, has a dream about the statue made out of all these different materials. Right. And each material represents a kingdom that's going to overcome or overthrow Babylon and then just keep on going until you get to Rome. And Rome is represented by these feet made out of clay and iron. And what you end up seeing is it says, it, it this dream ends by saying, a rock not cut by human hands is going to come and crush 
the feet. So this, this rock not cut from human hands is going to destroy Rome. And the reason this is significant is because Jesus calls himself the rock. He's this, this cornerstone. And so what ends up happening is the Jewish people, they start seeing, okay, Rome is here. This, this empire is here. And so they're waiting for this, this Messiah to come. But because of this interpretation of this rock coming and crushing Rome, they think that the Messiah is going to be this, this powerful king who's going to come and rule with might and destroy Rome and, and save his people. But the problem is, is that they actually forgot um, some very key prophecies that were written actually 100 years before Daniel. And and you probably know about the or you know about these Tom in Isaiah. Yeah, it's usually these my some... favorite prophet to go to when when it comes to Christmas time. And it blew my yeah. mind the first time I ever learned that. And for listeners who doesn't know that, yeah, check out Isaiah. There's a lot in there. But Daniel, they don't think so much about. But go ahead, brother. Yeah. So so Isaiah written about seven hundred. This prophet Isaiah wrote these words about seven hundred seven hundred and fifty years before. Jesus, so a hundred years before Daniel, um, and he wrote this in De- in Isaiah seven. Uh, it's Isaiah seven fourteen. He said, "The Lord Himself will give you the give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us." Mm-hmm. And then he goes on into Isaiah nine. So not. Isaiah 9, 2 and 9, 6 say, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it just goes on with this. And so, well, let me stop there, actually. Um, one thing that's sticking out to me around this season, I've really heard this question a lot is Jesus God. Well, it just stuck out to me that these, both of these, (laughs) just these two. So Emmanuel means God with us. So Jesus is the one that it's prophesying about and then says God with us. Yep. And then it says, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. So this Jesus, this this Messiah is going to be called Mighty God. Mm. Uh, Boom and boom. I I don't know about you, Casey. For me, it's clear as day. But for others, I do empathize. It's not so much. Um, But the more I read it, the more clear it is for me. But uh, I'll speak for myself. Yeah. Yeah, so these, uh, so the Jewish people, they're waiting for this king who who is going to come and who they think is going to come and overthrow Rome and build up his own kingdom using force. But instead of that, they get a baby. And if you listen to the last Deeper series, mm-hmm. I said, I mentioned how. God did this yes. to show that although he's all powerful, he's also all gentle. Yes. He's all knowing and all sustaining, but he's also extremely humble. And so he doesn't come, he doesn't come the way that we think that he's going to. 
he doesn't come by the by the mindset of humanity where in order to build up our kingdoms we have to destroy um using force instead he comes humble and in love and it's just it it makes me wonder like how are we living Mm. like in these times are we trying to are we trying to force um, Jesus's kingdom and trying to, are we backbiting and are we like, how are we treating others online? I've brought that up before. Is it in love or is it in this forceful, angry, um, vehement way? Mm. That's good, man. I, well, we know the answer to that. I love it, but rhetorical, but so important because I don't really think we pause on that enough. And including myself, man, there's just times where I, I let the anger build up and I'm not slow to speak, right? All yeah. I have to do is ask my own family. So um, but I, I'll do this recap, Casey. And I, I'll just say I love it again, deeper. 20, 2,700 years ago, that was written. So this happens 2,000 years ago. For any skeptic out there, um, historically, it lines up. Uh, the, and, and did the Roman empire fall? Absolutely did. And when did it? Huh? That's interesting. It's just the whole thing. If you really study the history, like it does line up, it absolutely lines up. But again, that's your choice to believe. And most of you deeper, you're there already. So this is more fun of just doing the deeper dive, but there's always, there's always, there is a listener out there that isn't quite sure. I, I always want to empathize with that. But just know, even in Daniel, written so long ago, we've done the whole series, it points to this, this whole Christmas yeah. season and what happened. And whether it really happened in December or it was July, I, I don't get wrapped up in that either. I, I just believe it happened. It, this, this, this prophecy came true. And, and, and I've just seen too many lives change and so much hope stoked from it. So Yeah. Well, and so it's it's interesting because Rome, even if you go to like the History Channel, you, you look and see why did Rome collapse. And one of the reasons they give is because of the rise of the Christian um, belief system. And the reason that Christianity was growing was because of love. They were loving on these orphans. They were they created the first orphanages and the first hospitals. And, right. and they were fighting against um, abortion, which in those days was... They went through their baby out on the garbage dump for the dogs to eat. Mm. Um, but And so they built it on this love. And mm. so I love this uh, this quote from Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm, bring it. Wow. So, Napoleon. We got Napoleon yeah. <laughs> in the mix now. All right. Yeah. So Napoleon Bonaparte, um, he, he once told one of his generals when they were going into battle, he said, let me get something straight. This battle is going to or the determination of this battle is going to come down to me. It's my decision because he, he was so fixated on himself. He thought he was so powerful. Mm. Well, he ends up losing and then he abdicates, um, which causes him to actually get exiled to a Roman Island. And so when he's on the Roman Island, he he gets so humbled that he starts reading the Bible. And he says this quote, he says, I know men And I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Hmm. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, and myself, I founded, we founded empires. But on what did we rest, or 
But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at, the, at this very hour, millions of men would die for him. Uh-huh. I mean, this, yeah. Napoleon Bonaparte, this, this general who is so cocky and full of himself. Yeah, one of the most notorious. Yeah, he, he starts to realize, okay, Jesus is no mere man. Hey, how many cases? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, how many no, people? I, I would love to see just a, a pot poll of this world. How many, how many people? I know everyone knows Napoleon. Most people know Napoleon. Right, but how many yeah. know that part of him? Is yeah, that it's and how often Jesus is that quoted? Is weaved into so much, like almost every culture has something to do with Jesus, and it's just, it's, it's just amazing. Right. I mean, they they don't have bad things to say about him, um, and so I want to go back to the temple though, just before we. We end yes. because I think that this is important. Okay, bring it, buddy. So the temple was destroyed, and these people are grieved. But God says, "I do not dwell in temples or houses built by human hands." Mm. And so, what's interesting about this is the temple was this place where people came to meet with their God. But Genesis says that out of God's mouth, he spoke everything into a creation except for man. Hmm. He reaches down and with his own hands, he forms man. And so what does God do? He's not going to come back and, and dwell in a place made out of human hands or made from human hands. He comes in the form of this temple that he created with his own hands inside of the womb. And so he comes back in the form of he's Jesus in the, I mean, he's God in the flesh who is Jesus. And now this temple, rather than us having to carry this temple like they did with the tabernacle, and rather than it just being stationary, now this temple walks around among the people and loves on people and shows them how to, how to live. And then he heals people. And, and so it's just amazing that God in the flesh is the temple and the God. Dude. But then when he died, now we're the temple. We're this temple. We're, we're now filled. Like if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you get to be that temple. He, God wants to dwell with you. He wants to, he wants to walk with you everywhere you go. And it's just like when you experience that, there's nothing like it. And so if you need hope this year, I hope, I hope if you have not received Jesus that, that you would just say yes to him and actually have a real Christmas this year, just actually allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. But if you are, if you already are his follower, then please share that. Yeah. Like shine light into your neighborhoods. And I beat on this drum a lot, yeah. but I just want to end with one really quick um, update on the milk and how I loved on my neighbors. But if you have anything to add before I do that, uh, th- yeah, let me just say this: uh, that is a deep take. By the way, earlier on the temple, and for some, even even if you're super deep, that might be newer to you. You might need to rewind and listen to that a few more times. But uh, that's absolutely a brilliant, very deep take. And then now connecting forward. 
uh, for you're right. For those that are followers, that you do get this. I'd, I've also been banging on the drum. We need to do a better job s- selling it and sharing hope and sharing light. I don't think we've done a very good job of it, um, uh, generally speaking, of course. And uh, but anyway, Casey, let's tie in. So uh, right, what, what your neighborhood? Go for it. Let's get an update. Yeah. So this last week, I. Well, Jeff, one of the guys in our dudes group, he he brought over like 150 gallons of milk and a ton of other product milk products, and and we handed it out on Friday for an hour and a half, and then I went out again with my son, and we handed out more. So I went to the the, the snowmaster. The, what was that? The snowmaster or the snow the snow <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, thankfully, it wasn't snowing then, but <laughs> we went to like. 50, 50 people in my neighborhood, 50 homes in my neighborhood. But there was this one, like, I just remember this guy was standing outside and I had never been over to that part of my neighborhood before. Hmm. And I was actually walking to a different house and you could, he was outside smoking and you could visibly see that he was drunk. Mm -hmm. And I remember just looking at him and thinking like, man, he looks, he's just gruff. He's like that. He's that probably a a machinist or construction worker. And I was just thinking like, he's not going to want to bother with me. Like, and and then there was this other side, like, do I really want to bother with him? Like that, that side. That's very, so I start, so I started walking past his, his sidewalk. And then I felt in not so many words, but more like a presence Mm. of Casey. That's the very person that I died for. Mm. He's the very person that I came for. Wow. And so I walk over to him and, and I set down the milk and he's like, what's that? I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not even going to look at it. Just tell me about it. And he was just such a character. He was so fun to talk to. Um, <laughs> but long story short, like we start talking and I, I just tell him, man, 2020 has been a dark year. And I just want to love on my neighbors and I just want to shine a little light for you guys. So I have all this milk product. I have a connection at camps and and I start telling him and his wife walks up and, and as I'm walking and he finally receives it. And then as I'm walking away, he goes, wait, why are you doing this? Just because you love us. Mm. And it sounded like a kid, how a kid would talk, like my son would talk to a, a father or something. It was so strange because he was probably like 50, 60 years old. And it stopped me in my tracks and I go, sir, when I was at my worst, Jesus still loved me and died for me. And he's called me to go and love my neighbors the same. And so to the best of my ability, I'm going to love you, sir. And he just had this look on his face and there was this long pause. And in the most sober tone, he goes, well, God bless you, sir. Hmm. And, and it felt like heaven kissed earth in that moment. Like I could feel that there was a change in the atmosphere. This man who, who could not say a sentence without there being curse words just scattered everywhere throughout it. And now on his lips is just, God bless you in such a sober tone. It's, and so I think that that's what God's calling us to do. That's what Christmas is, is like 
are you allowing heaven are you allowing heaven to come to earth by being the temple that walks among people because you have the holy spirit inside of you because that's what christmas is Mm. amen man i've casey what's coming to mind we shared it earlier is like you want to bring more joy into this world uh you want more joy in your life and you bring joy to others. And it, I guarantee you were probably, a, you and your son were probably a few levels up, just filled with joy. And he was filled with joy. It's just a cool design of God's, but we have to tune into it. And again, yeah. uh, skeptic out there, what, who, who do you want more in this world? You want more, you want more of uh, someone like uh, the, the Casey that's doing that? Or you want, you want someone that's just negative and, and hiding and uh, anyway. We could go on and on, but Casey, of course, we're in bus seat mode, right? I warned the listener. We could probably go three more hours on this, but for the sake of the listener, I do want to give honor to this. When you say you have something, one of the greatest listens you've heard ever, that's interesting. So would you mind teeing that up a little bit? And by the way, any other final thoughts? Let's make sure to get in. This is not like a race. I just uh, yeah. uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, well, on this listen, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. Um, it it's really good and so it's about this person and you'll you'll hear it but it's about this person who doesn't like christmas he believes in jesus he believes in god but christmas is not his season he's bored of it he's done with it what does it really mean and then there's this this turn of events like of this experience that he has with this christmas manger and and it's powerful and so i just yeah, I just felt like I wanted to share it because it impacted me. You got it. So instead of ending on a song note, we're going to end up on a deep thought note. So this is, again, to prepare the listeners, it's about, what, 10, 15 minutes, right? So yeah. for those, be prepared. When Casey said this is strong, <laughs> be prepared because he definitely has my attention on it as well. So here you go, and Merry Christmas. I've passed away, and mm. I thought, oh. This is his first Christmas without her. I wonder what that's like. Mm. I need to pray for him. And I'm going to drop him a note just to say, thinking of you at this time of year, knowing it's hard, just want to be in your court and in your corner. Uh, Now, you may not have experienced deep loss, but there are opportunities for you to reach out to others. And uh, we have a story here to inspire you uh, in that direction from Al Andrews. He was a focus on the family guest. He shared a dramatic reading from his book, A Walk One Winter Night. It was cold that winter evening as I ambled down my quiet street. I needed a walk to clear my mind of all the clutter and stress of this season. It seems that every year it gets worse. More obligatory parties, irritated drivers and panicky shoppers, long lines everywhere. I remember a time when I was more expectant when the reason for all this celebrating meant everything to me. But sadly, this night, my internal monologue was, let's just get this thing over and get back to normal. Frankly, my cynicism troubled me. And when I am troubled, I take a walk. Even if it's near midnight, even if it's cold, even if there are still things to be done. The hour was late and a light rain was falling. Stray flakes of snow twirled and mingled in. From windows and trees, the lights of the season sparkled through the heavy mist like stars aching to beam brightly 
on this dreary, dark night. Turning up my collar, I pulled my jacket tighter. That kind of cold finds its way through most any opening. As I walked, I saw them out of the corner of my eye. Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus, displayed in a wooden stable in someone's front yard. The usual characters were assembled as well. Shepherds, sheep, a camel, the wise men three. On the stable's roof, a precariously perched angel looked on and was tilting slightly to the left. All of them were illuminated by two bright floodlights shining from the grass in front of them. I almost passed them by. They were easy to miss, as I've grown accustomed to their presence. They are, after all, available everywhere in all sizes, ornament size, mantle size, coffee table size, and yard size. They come in a box, easy to assemble. But that night, and I'm not sure why, something caused me to turn my head, inviting me to linger. I stopped to look at them for a while, as one would stand in front of a Rembrandt painting in a museum. I must admit, it felt somewhat odd and awkward. After all, grown-ups don't pause and stare at yard manger scenes. But for some reason, that night, that moment, I felt I should be there, to witness something, to see. I folded my arms and I looked, obedient to this mysterious nudge. She wore blue. Mary always wears blue. A neatly pressed, clean blue garment. Her face, porcelain and untouchable, had a fixed expression, pleasant and peaceful. With her fragile hands folded in prayer, she gazed down adoringly at her child. She was perfect, this Mary, pristine, with moisture glistening on her smooth ceramic shawl. Joseph wore brown. Joseph always wears brown. Brown is a fitting color for a character relegated to the background, for someone who never gets top billing. His eyes appeared vacant and his beard was neatly trimmed. He was there as he always is, on the edges. He can't seem to find his place. Everyone else has something distinctive, wings, crowns, gifts, halos, a shepherd's crook. But all he has is brown. Then there was the baby Jesus, his tiny arms extended, the star attraction. A halo encircled his little head, reaching from ear to ear. A clean white fabric wrapped around him. Swaddled, I suppose, is the appropriate Christmas word to use. He smiled an unearthly smile. He's always happy, this manger Jesus. It looked like he'd never slept and never cried. It didn't appear that he wanted to be held, nursed, or cuddled either. I won't take the time to describe the others, but you know them well. You probably even know where each is positioned in the stable. The shepherds go there, the camels and sheep over there, the wise men there, there, and there. I imagine you, too, are accustomed to their presence. I remain standing, trying to stay warm. Looking at them through the gauzy mist, I pondered. I simply couldn't relate to them in any way. They seemed remote and untouchable, just like this season had become for me. With considerable guilt, I wondered, why don't I like these people? After this abrupt and irreverent thought came to me, I half expected the ground underneath to open up and swallow me whole, or a bolt of lightning to descend with a flash and a snap leaving a little pile of smoldering ashes. They used to be me. 
I closed my eyes and waited for the end. Thankfully, neither the heavens nor the ground opened, so I continued my gaze. And then something happened, something I frankly don't expect you to believe. I heard a noise coming from Mary's direction. It startled me. Who's that? I said. Though her figure didn't move, a soft voice pleaded. This is not me, she cried. This is not real, and her voice broke. Please listen to me. My garment, it isn't this clean. And it's not this brilliant shade of blue. It's a blue faded by the dust of a long journey to Bethlehem. It smells of my sweat and of the mule whose back I rode upon. My blue is stained with red, the blood of birth. It's soiled by the dung of a stable floor. And my face, my real face, is blemished. I'm a teenage girl. My brow is furrowed from worry. Worry about this baby, about tomorrow. What will Herod do? Will he find us? In my eyes, my eyes are red from tears of pain. I'm so lonely and afraid. This is my first baby and my mother is not here with me. This is not who I am, she said again. I am real. Please, let me be real. And her voice trailed off. Her words, both gentle and moving, reached inside of me so deeply I could barely breathe. And while I was catching my breath, I heard a deeper voice. You are wrong about me too. It was coming from Joseph's direction. This is not me. This is not real. Please, listen to me, he said firmly. I started to take a step backwards, but his voice riveted me in place. Listen, he repeated. Really listen. I am not the quiet, simple character you make me out to be. My eyes are not vacant. Hours ago, they were full of fire when I grabbed the innkeeper's tunic with a tight grip and said, Don't you tell me there is not some room somewhere. And he found a place for us. I'm a man with a purpose to travel where I was told to go and to lead my family safely there. And we made it. And now that we are here, I'm still on guard for we are in danger. Joseph continued, Yes, I wear brown but it is for stealth. I blend in with my surroundings, and from my vantage point, my eyes scan every opening in this place for anyone who is out to do us harm, and no one will get by me. Let them try. I am the keeper of this light, and I will keep him safe. You are wrong about me. This is not who I am. I am real. Please, let me be real. His words soaked into me like the evening's mist. I felt admonished and awakened to something that was true. And then I heard a cry. I looked at Jesus in the wooden manger, and he was thrashing about in the hay. He had soiled himself, and he looked uncomfortable. His cloth was twisted in his arms and his legs. He grimaced from the prickly straw. His face was red, and his cry grew louder the cry of a hungry infant. His toothless mouth opened and he arched his back. He cried so hard he ran out of breath, and for a moment it was quiet. But I knew it was the quiet before he drew another breath, and then he wailed so loudly I expected the lights in the nearby houses to turn on and the neighbors to come running out. I wondered if he too would speak, but he didn't need to. Somehow his words were in me, and I spoke for him.
This is not me. This is not real. Please listen to me. The reason I came, the reason I was sent was to be real, to feel everything you felt, to know everything you need because I needed it too, to hurt like you hurt, cry like you've cried, laugh like you've laughed, skin my knee like you've skinned your knee, and have my heart broken like your heart has been broken. I came so that one day, or one winter night, when you come face to face with your defeat, your moment of absolute need, you can come to me and say, you know this too, be with me and lead me through it, and I will. This is not me. I am real. Please, let me be real. Then there was a silence, a long stillness that hushed the wind and pushed away the noises of the night. In the quiet, I was being given room, room to feel and consider what I'd just seen and heard. And out of the silence, the truth appeared like stars revealed by the parting clouds. Maybe the figures before me weren't real because I'd made them that way, so they would be predictable and safe. Easy to ignore and box up after Christmas, out of sight and out of mind. Maybe if Jesus wasn't real, he would be tame and small. Maybe I had rendered him untouchable because I was afraid of his touch. I'm sorry, I said. I know this isn't you. I can see it now. You're not who I've seen you to be. Untouchable. Perfect. Something I made rather than someone who made me. You are real. You are true. You are here. I'm so sorry, I said again as my eyes brimmed with tears. The sorrow nudged me to kneel next to a shepherd on the wet grass in front of something so real, so very real, I couldn't even begin to comprehend it. And as I knelt, I became a part of the story, and the story became a part of me, and I felt his gentle pardon. Suddenly, everything expanded. This scene, this night, my heart. And I felt real. After a while, I stood and remained there, quietly looking at them as they gazed back at me. And I realized something. I liked these people now, and I think they like me. Shivering, I wondered if Jesus was cold too. So I laid my scarf over his hands and his feet, the same hands and feet I would one day see again. I tucked him in as best I could. Good night, I said to him. Sleep well. You've traveled far. I stayed beside him for a few minutes, just as I once stayed beside my own newborn sons as they drifted into sleep. Then a low, regal voice came from one of the wise men. He whispered as if he was aware that Jesus was sleeping. We, like you, were drawn to this place and have journeyed far to come here to see what you have seen. 
and what you have seen is what this world has been waiting for. And from a shepherd standing behind Joseph, I heard another quiet voice. Once you hear the angels sing, you will never be the same. If you listen carefully, they're always singing. And then there was quiet, no more voices, no more movement, no more surprises. I sensed it was time to go. I started the walk back to my house. The cold wind and a few flakes of snow urged me along. My pace was slow and thoughtful. This walk had become a journey I didn't want to end. Something had returned to me, and I yearned for it to remain. When I reached the corner of the street, I thought I heard singing and turned for one last look. In the distance, I saw a warm glow coming from a small wooden stable in a yard down the street, sheltering something inside that was older than the stars and bigger than our whole wide world. And it was real. Well, this is